program. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. As we launch our program today, it might be a bit confusing at first because if you're a mathematician, you may disagree with the title of today's program. You say, the title of today's program? Yes, the title of today's program is... One plus one equals one. Are you shocked yet? One plus one equals one. So I want you to stay tuned to find out whether your computations or the computations of our guest today are true. One plus one equals two. Now, this is baffling to me because for four years, in the first years of our marriage, I was teaching public school and teaching mathematics teaching algebra, teaching mathematics, and I never knew that one plus one equaled one. My students would have been baffled. But by the time this program is over today, you will not be baffled. In fact, you're going to be greatly encouraged and strengthened, particularly if you are married. If you are married, it was 57 years ago that I first met my wife on the front steps of the church where she was attending and where I came one Sunday evening, driving up with my little black convertible, and she saw me pass the front of the church and looked for me as I ascended the front steps. And I was greeted with her warm welcome, and history has never ended in that regard. That was the beginning. And now it is... 57 years later, and she is the love of my life, and we have gone through ups and downs and over hill, over dale, hit the dusty trail in so many different ways, but we are still one. One plus one still equals one. Well, our guest today has a very similar story, and uh, his name is Tony Scott. And he's joining us with his book, One Plus One Equals One, The World's Greatest Love Relationship Equation. And, uh, Tony, it's so good to have you on the program. Chuck, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to speak about something that I think is at the very foundation of bringing the world together. Well, indeed it is, because, uh, as the Scripture says, that uh, we are to leave, husbands are to leave, their parents, and cleave unto their wife, and the two shall become one. And uh, that's God's prescription. Apparently, he has a different understanding of mathematics than we do. Well, I call it divine mathematics. You know, not only was God, not only was God a mathematician, God was also a scientist, God was a, is a, he is a psychologist, um, God gave us a mindset for what I call the fundamental law of the universe. And when I talk about the fundamental law of the universe, I'm talking about the laws of the kingdom that Jesus Christ came to give us. Uh-huh. Within that kingdom, there are 39 laws. And when you go through those 39 laws, you begin to see why the kingdom is set up on laws. Uh, unfortunately, Chuck, we, we've been taught uh, the difference between law and grace so much 
that we don't really want to hear about law. We want to hear about grace. Right. The kingdom and the universe functions on law, and you being an attorney, an attorney would understand that perhaps better than most. Well, absolutely, and that's the reason why the end times will be characterized by lawlessness, and the enemy of our soul, the ultimate counterfeit Christ, is called the lawless one. Exactly. But you understand the dilemma we have today in a lot of uh, evangelical churches where the emphasis is upon grace and and law is talked about as something that's Old Testament. But Jesus actually established his kingdom on laws, on the basis mm-hmm. of laws. The universe runs on the basis of laws. That's why one year from now, uh, scientists can tell us exactly what time the sun will rise, at, at what time it will set. Uh, that's why the planets don't bump into each other. Uh, because God has established laws. And, and the first law that God established in marriage is in Genesis chapter 2. Mm-hmm. And he simply says, the two shall become one flesh. And that's not in the Hebrew just a sexual connotation. He intended that to be the whole person, the spirit, the soul, the body of a person. And what God so, hath joined together, man must not seem to ordain to put asunder. Exactly. And the reason, here's the additional reason that God said that. Because when you uh, do away with, when you ignore, when you fail to practice the law of oneness, Mm -hmm. the very first institution in the universe, marriage, is now destroyed. And that's what we're seeing happening. I I, I think it's it's kind of comical, actually, that if you want to see the the best are, are actually the best sellers, I should say, on marriage. They all contain sex in the title because mm-hmm. everybody seems to be interested in sex. But there is something greater, Chuck, than sex in a marriage, and it's called oneness. And if you don't ever experience the oneness of Genesis chapter 2, you'll never experience the greatest sex. Exactly. All right, so let's, let me in, in on a little bit of your story. I understand that okay. uh, you and your wife... Uh, Shirley actually got a running start on my wife and I uh, by a year or so. Yeah, we were married for 55 years as of uh, uh, 2020. Our, our anniversary is on July the 9th. She went to heaven on August the 18th of uh, last year, and we'd been married for 55 years. We dated for three years. I met mm-hmm. her at a youth camp. Uh, ah, okay. 15 years of age, a uh, church youth camp. Do you know... Tony, that you were married just 20 days before my wife and I were married. Okay. 20 days. We have, we have a lot in common. We sure do. <laughs> As I read your book, I thought, wow, uh, we've got a lot in common. We're going to be uh, right in sync with one another. And uh, the only way you got a running start is you went together for three years. We went together for two. So, uh, yeah, she was only 15 years of age when I met oh, her. Oh, okay. That she graduated from high school, which she did in 1965. And mm-hmm. we were married uh, about a month after she graduated. Uh, she was 19 in September of that year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was it, for me the day I stepped out of the car in Greenville, South Carolina, at the Church of God uh, campground, and looked over at the concession stand, two young girls standing there. I was with my buddy. Dave, and uh, we got out of the car, and I said to Dave, uh, who's the brown-haired, curly-haired girl standing by the concession stand? And he said, that's Shirley Leslie, and you don't have a dog's chance. (laughs) Uh, 
So, you know, that's kind of like saying, stick them to a bulldog. Yeah, so there, right. I, there you go. Yeah. So I, I met her. Uh, we had a friendship. I went back two or three times a week. I lived over in Anderson, about 30 miles away. So I could drive back. You mean there was something that was drawing you magnetically toward her? I, I could not get her off my mind. I, <laughs> I, I mean, she she was just so beautiful in my eyes. Uh-huh. She was so friendly. Um, she had an incredible wit. Um, she had a beautiful smile. She was intelligent. And, and I just... I, I thought I, you I were describing my wife. Well, it, it probably <laughs> could describe your wife. Well, we're there, going to get back to talking about... Uh, how to make it from that point on as the two become one, one plus one equals one. And uh, friends, I hope you'll stay tuned because there's hope on the horizon for many, many listeners. Much encouragement. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismeyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The law of oneness, one plus one equals one, from God's viewpoint. Now, here on this program called Viewpoint, we say regularly that viewpoint determines destiny. Indeed, it does. And there are no neutral viewpoints. When it comes to marriage, there's only one viewpoint that God has, and that is one plus one equals one. For the two shall be joined together, and they shall become one. And what God has joined together, man must not deign to put asunder, because God has already made them one. Now the question is, what do we do to facilitate the growth of that oneness? That's where we tend to fall apart because we allow our human and worldly thinking and viewpoint to color, even destroy, what God intended. So today on Viewpoint, between our special guest, Tony Scott, and myself, we have a similar kind, we have the same longevity of marriage as 20 days apart, 55 years, and you would think perhaps with a combined total of 110 years of marriage together, that we might have some valuable viewpoint to share with you. And indeed, I think we do. So, Tony, uh, you've shared with us a little bit of the uh, your story. Uh, your dear wife, Shirley, passed away uh, almost exactly a year ago uh, amid all of the COVID slander of our world. And uh, it had to have been extremely, extremely painful. How have you uh, uh, dealt personally since then? <clears throat> well, Chuck, it's been a very difficult process. Grief is hell. Mm-hmm. And the kind of grief that I've gone through after 58 years of being with her, dating her for three years and married for 55, right. we were so much one um, that we just needed each other. We worked side by side in the ministry. We passed her 
for 46 years. Mm. We were together every day working in the ministry. She always worked side by side with me. I've, I've had guys say to me, there's no way I could work with my wife. I've had pastors tell me that. There was no way I could work without my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed her. She she was so detailed. I saw the big picture. She saw the details. Mm-hmm. So we worked hand in glove together. And the thing I've learned, Chuck, about the Holy Spirit that I did not know is that, yes, he is the great comforter, and sometimes I think we need the larger and deeper understanding of the word there, the paraclete, um, who basically comes alongside of us, and it's Mm -hmm. a picture of someone taking your hand and leading you through a difficult place. And he does do that, but he does not take away the pain of grief. Uh, My pain of grief at her loss is probably more intense today than it was when she first went to be with the G- with Jesus at 4.05 a.m. on August the 18th, Well, this is one of the reasons, Tony, why you and I need to have this conversation, if not for anyone else, for yourself. Uh, to a certain Absolutely. extent, it's a catharsis. It's an ability, uh, an opportunity to share from the deepest resources of recesses of your own mind and heart uh, your intense one plus one equals one love for Shirley. And also, the things that bound you together and enabled you to become the fullness of that one plus one equals one formula. And uh, we're going to get into that. Uh, I can't, it's hard for me to imagine the grief that you uh, have experienced there. But interestingly, if we look at the totality of the Bible, we find that, in fact, this formula is the same formula that God has portrayed to us through the Trinity, except there it's one plus one plus one equals one. And so God is one, but they that worship him must worship him in spirit, in truth. And God is one, and yet he's manifested in three different dimensions, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But when God formed the first marriage there in Genesis chapter 2, saying that it was not good for a man to be alone, he then brought a woman to the man, created actually created the woman out of the man, and then the husband, the wife, and the Holy Spirit became the one plus one plus one equals three. In other words, it was a demonstration on earth of what God had already uh, declared of himself from the heavens. So this is a very beautiful picture, and if we don't understand that, I think we miss some of the grandeur of God's purpose for marriage. Well, in in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying. It's a prayer for you and I, for mm-hmm. everyone who would believe on him. Right. And he says, Father, I want them to be one, <clears throat> even as you and I are one. So the law of oneness, and it is a law, the law of oneness, becomes the solution to all the divisiveness that is in the world. Everywhere you look, there is this divisiveness, mask or no mask, mm-hmm. vaccine or no vaccine, uh, brown skin, white skin. Uh, so over and over and over, we see the divisiveness of society and culture getting worse and worse and worse, 
because we're getting further and further away from, first of all, the oneness of God. Because if you want to have a great marriage, you go to the author of marriage, you go to the creator of marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and Genesis chapter 2, in my personal opinion, is the greatest manual of marriage that was ever written. God lays out the basic principles upon which you have a great marriage. All right, share those with and, us. Yeah, a man will leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, a woman will leave her father and mother, cleave to her husband, two shall become one flesh. But look at what else it says. It says they were naked, and they were not ashamed. Mm-hmm. I believe, Chuck, that God didn't just intend that for the sexual relationship. I believe that God wants soul nakedness among his children. When they're married to each other, he wants them to open up. We, we know what physical nakedness is. It's no clothes. Well, you got to take the clothes off the soul, and the more you reveal yourself to your spouse, your mm-hmm, mate, mm-hmm. the more your mate reveals uh, themselves to you, the more one you become. So my premise is this. The divisiveness of the world has come off of our refusing to be one with God and to be one with each other in a marriage, have children that grow up and see the oneness and the beauty of it and the glory of it, mm-hmm. and then go out and perpetuate that oneness in their marriages and then in their children. And, and the whole world was intended by God to be brought together, of course, at the cross. Remember how the cross is made. Mm-hmm. There's a one in the middle of it, right, pointing straight up to heaven. And that one, of course, is Jesus Christ, and he wants us to become one with him. The oneness permeates everything that God did in his kingdom. Well, it does. In fact, it's interesting. You mentioned the uh, nakedness in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 2. And in the book of Hebrews, we find this statement that all things are open and naked before him with whom we have to do or with whom who is the judge over us. And uh, so from God's viewpoint, as the one uh, together, he looks at us in the earth and he says, look, you're naked before me. You don't realize it, but you're naked before me. You can't hide anymore. And if you will understand that you're naked before me, then you can be open both first with me and then with one another. Absolutely. Everything God wanted from us, he had demonstrated for us. All right. Because of the kingdom of God. All right. So let's talk about uh, these four concepts that you have in the law of oneness. Uh, there, okay. there are two, two sets of four. One is the four concepts about the law of oneness, and then there are the uh, uh, spiritual and marital oneness four principal guidelines. So let's talk about the concepts of law and oneness first. What's the first well, one? Well, the first, it is a process. Uh, it never ends. So throughout your life, God literally intended your married life to be a process. Everything about the kingdom of God, everything about creation is a process. Mm-hmm. And, and God reveals that in the way he created for six days, rested on the seventh day, and he demonstrated that in the seasons of life, a right. process. He demonstrated that in the birthing of a child, a process. So everything you see is a process. Secondly, it's costly. 
And, and, and people say, well, how do you become one? Selfishness is not allowed. Paul himself said, a man gives up his body. And Paul wasn't just referring there to the physical body. He was revealing, referring to all of us, spirit, soul, and body. You surrender up to your mate. You give yourself to your mate. And when you do that on a day-by-day basis, you have to surrender selfishness. You cannot be selfish and be one in a marriage. Thirdly, it's challenging. You have to be prepared to be stretched, stretched beyond where you are. Well, how do you stretch one? Well, I'm not talking about (laughs) stretching one. I'm talking about the challenge to oneness, the law of oneness. You must be prepared to be stretched in your thinking and in the application of the principles of God's Word. Mm -hmm. You must, on a continuing basis, be willing to learn and be willing to transform. And I think transformation is just another word for stretching in the New Testament. Okay. Fourthly, it requires great determination, and I call this focus, and I do believe there's a law of focus. You focus, you focus, you focus, and you never really stop focusing. Mm-hmm. You focus on the oneness of the marriage, and, and what I did with my wife and what she did with me, I wanted her to be the best she could be. I, I supported her no matter what she wanted to do and what she was trying to do. I supported her. I wanted her. She supported me. She wanted me to be my best. She wanted me to look my best. She bought all of my clothes. Oh! You really don't know what matches. Let, let me show you how to buy a suit now. Well, I buy two-thirds suit. of my wife's clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a difference here. <laughs> But, but you've got to focus on one another. I, I tell people, if you really want a oneness marriage, then you must focus on that which brings you together, not that which separates you, divides you. Okay. <clears throat> so those are the concepts of the law of oneness. But then yep. you talk about uh, four fundamental guidelines. And uh, I think these are very important. The first one well, is severance or leaving. But what yes. does that mean? Well, in, in a marriage sometimes, what you don't realize is that the man brings in to the marriage a marriage, the one he came out of between his mom and his dad, and there might have been more than one of those. The woman brings into the marriage the marriage she came out of, her mother and father, and there might be have been more than one of those. But now you've got to sever yourself from the ideas of each of those two marriages, and you have to create your marriage. And your marriage will become what you created to be. So one of the most offensive things that a husband can say to his wife is, well, that's not the way my mother does it. Exactly. And, and And he has every right to speak that and say that as long as he's saying it in a respectful way. So there must be severance. You must leave everyone else out. Uh, your marriage is to be built uh, before God and between the two of you. What what your marriage contains, what it looks like, mm-hmm. how it operates, has to be something that's newly created. And then the second thing is permanence, cleaving to each other. And, you know, the word there in the Hebrew is, is, is actually the word glued, uh, to be glued to each other. And my wife and I never once in all of our years of marriage use the word divorce. We, we never threatened each other with divorce. We never discussed divorce. We never thought about divorce. Right. 
This is so important, by the way. This is absolutely critically important. Because the moment you verbalize that word, the moment you allow your mind to embrace that word, is the moment you have already set in course your division. Well, you have to remember, and I say this in the book, and it's it's a very important principle. When you speak a word, whatever word you have spoken has been given life, and there's no way to kill it. You can take it back. You can apologize for it. But you cannot unspeak a spoken word. Once you speak it, it's going to live in eternity. Mm. You can't take it back. So you need to be careful what you say to each other. I never called my my wife names. I, I, I never used, obviously, mm-hmm. we, didn't, we were Christians. We didn't use four-letter words. But, right. but I never, in any discussion we had, and we did disagree. All right. We'll, we'll pick up on that after this break. Friends, one plus one equals one. This is critically important to understand. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries. On our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. How to have a marriage that fulfills God's intended plan and purpose in the earth and for you that will bring glory to him and set the stage for the next generation and fulfillment in your own life. That's what we're talking about here today with our special guest, Tony Scott. One plus one equals one. His book is uh, so unique and uh I I really believe that you could be extremely encouraged in your own marriage walk by reading this book. You will hear the words of his wife that are printed in a different script uh, throughout the book. You will hear also not only the challenges that they have faced during their 55 years of marriage, but you will also Help you have begun to understand how they overcame those challenges and how those challenges actually deepened their one plus one equals one experience. And so I want to urge you to get a copy of the book, $15. We'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check and $5 for postage and handling, and we'll get it in your hands. Now, interestingly, uh, this program, Viewpoint, is uh, the premier expression of Save America Ministries, dedicated to rebuilding the foundations of faith and freedom. 
as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation here in America's Greatest Crisis Hour. And people ask, well, what can I do? What can I do to make a difference? I want you to listen very carefully to what I now say. The most important thing that you can do is to be what you must be from God's viewpoint. Everybody wants to write a, write a, a letter, or they want to send a fax, or they want to, they want to uh, send a text, or they want to do this, or they want to carry on some sort of an agenda out there with masses and so on. No, the most important thing that you can do is to be what you must be. And that begins with our marriages. Our marriages are set by God to be the smallest microcosm of his church in the earth. When we fail at that, can you imagine what that does to the expression of the kingdom of God? And he grieves. He grieves greatly. And the enemy of our souls and the enemy of the kingdom of God has been so dramatically successful particularly since 1968 when Ronald Reagan, as governor of California, decided to inaugurate no-fault divorce. Since then, the divorce rate has multiplied so dramatically across the country that people have decided not even to get married. So what do they do? Cohabit. Cohabitation now is taking over marriage as the theme of American culture. What do you think this does to the image of the kingdom of God, to God himself? No, that's an expression of division. And so we're looking at something that is of such uh, grave import and proportions, and we still don't quite understand it. We think we're compassionate when we're inaugurating divorce, when people aren't feeling quite like they're one. It's not about feelings, friends. This is about our faith. And faith is a long obedience in the same direction that will lead us ultimately to fulfill the law of oneness, oneness from God's viewpoint. So our special guest today, Tony Scott, is really on to something here. And uh, he shares so many interesting insights into their lives, uh, Shirley and Tony, as they developed together, as they went through life's challenges, and so on. We can't go through all of those today on the air, but you can by getting a copy of the book, One Plus One Equals One, to see how it works. That's why the Bible says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Yes, God's grace will be sufficient for you, but his grace is not willing to look over, overlook your sin and your division. No, the purpose of his grace is to enable you to do his will and to have a marriage that's one plus one equaling one. So, Tony, we were talking about uh, the requirements, the four fundamental guidelines for a one plus one equals one marriage. The first was severance or leaving father and mother. Next was permanence or cleaving to one another. But we didn't get to the third one, which is unity or weaving. Weave that for us. It's important that you work on your oneness. Oneness is not just the title. This one plus one equals one. It's not just the title of a book. 
this is the way we lived our lives. <clears throat> Shirley and I were very intent on weaving our lives together. When you saw me, you saw her. We didn't take separate vacations. Um, we Good were for you. Best. Yes, we were best when we were together. Everybody who knew us through the years, I, I served with a very large denomination in this country. I served on the international board. Uh, we went on went to many conferences, and, and people would always remark, you, you guys are always together. We were. Um, I, I didn't get married to be separated from her. <laughs> I got married to be one with her. Now, you and were was, you were uh, a pastor in the Church of God, Anderson, right? Correct. Well, no, what, it's not Anderson. It's oh, Cleveland, not, Tennessee. Oh, okay. So what's the difference between the Church of God and the Church of Christ? Well, and what is the difference amazing. between the Church of God, the Church of Christ, and the church that Christ is building? I'm well, just being I a little guess, facetious with you, brother. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, if you want to get specific about you know denominations, I, I'm not a big denominational person. I believe in the tenets of faith of the Church of God. It's a Pentecostal mm-hmm. church. It's America's oldest continuing Pentecostal body. Mm-hmm. And I believe in, uh, obviously, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. As do I. Served, yeah, as served, having served there for um, over 22 years, I served 16 of, my, of those years every time I was eligible on the international board. So we traveled. We went to 10 countries, uh, five different continents. We saw different cultures, uh, different societies of people, groups of people. But everywhere uh, we went, we obviously spoke to couples. We tried to encourage couples, and we tried to encourage them to weave their lives together. Mm -hmm. The fourth one of those is intimacy. And the sad thing, Chuck, about intimacy is the very difference in the way a man will view intimacy and the way a woman will view intimacy. Right. To a man, intimacy is connected with sex. So if you say intimacy, he almost immediately connects it to sex. A woman does not. Uh, Intimacy is an emotional thing to her. Mm-hmm. It's an inner spiritual thing to her. She wants closeness. She wants to be heard. She wants to be listened to. So, so intimacy, intimacy for a man is, is, is some action. It's some sexual action. For her, it's interaction. You know, how, how do we talk together here? How do we share together? She wants to talk about things. And of course, there's always there are always women who are just the opposite of that. There, you know, not every woman is like that. But intimacy is, is what comes out of you becoming one. The more one you are, the more intimacy you'll have in the marriage. The more intimacy you have in the marriage, the greater your sex life, the greater your life, the greater your marriage. It's interesting that uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Paul says that the husband is commanded to love his wife even as Christ loved the church. But nowhere does the Bible say the wife is to love her husband. She's to submit to him as unto Christ. Help us to understand how that brings us into one plus one equals one. Well, it's it's interesting that the way the way Paul phrased that. Uh, there's questions about whether or not Paul was ever married. I don't know if mm-hmm. he was or he wasn't. He wasn't at the time he was writing this. But if you just stop and think about what he says there, the husband is to love his wife. So let's just stop there for a moment. Where does that love come from? Uh, that love comes from an intimacy with God. So 
as a priest, he goes into the presence of God, feels the love and the acceptance of God. And as he feels that love and acceptance of God, he begins to come out of that uh, uh, interaction with God, and he shares that love of God from himself to his wife. She takes that love that he gives to her, which gives her security, makes her feel valuable, makes her feel wanted, and she takes that love and amplifies it back to him mm-hmm. and then to the children and to the in-laws, uh, friends. So she becomes one who amplifies that love that he sows into her. So go back to Genesis for a moment. Where did woman come from? She came from Adam, um, you know, the two oldest babies in the history of the world. Adam and Eve. They were infants, but they were full-grown, mature adults. And here they are in the garden, and God is going to bring them together in that oneness aspect. And he's going to teach Adam how to love his wife and and teach Eve how to love her husband. And so when Paul comes to speak of this, I'm certain he had Adam and Eve's relationship in mind. I'm certain of that. He knew the Scriptures. Uh, Somehow he had this uh, amazing ability to tap into the Holy Spirit's presence and be guided to write all the things he wrote. The Holy Spirit told him what to write. The Holy Spirit was present in Genesis 2. So what does he say? That husbands, I want you to love your wives. And he says to the wife, I want you to revere, to respect, to honor. And, and a lot of women don't like the word submit, but it's actually uh, a military word. It came out of the Roman army. And it literally meant to gather the leaders, the generals, the field sergeants, around the table, plan a course of action for a victory. And they would listen to everyone. Everyone would have their input. And then they would all get up from the table after they would come to some kind of agreement. And they would all be together in the implementation of that plan. And, and, and so it's like coming under orders willingly for the overall good of the army. And so Paul uses that word for the marriage. And that's that's what Satan attacked right there in Genesis chapter 3. To break it all apart. We'll be right back after this, friends. Tony Scott, our special guest. One plus one equals one. Got to get a copy of this book. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to sayless.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. What a joy it is to be able to uh, chat together today with a uh, dear brother who has just recently lost his wife after 55 years of marriage. Uh, I also have been married 55 years, 
And uh, so we have a lot of uh, interesting viewpoints to share together, but those viewpoints coincide and are congruent, actually, because we understand, after all these years, that one plus one does equal one from God's viewpoint. You know, if we were to go back to Genesis chapter 3, we would find that Satan gained dominion in the earth precisely because he got the husband and the wife to differ from God's viewpoint concerning what he had brought them together to do and to be. So he attacked woman the first. He attacked Eve. And he got her to question what God had said and why he said it. So Eve then, rather than submitting to her husband and what God had told her through her husband, she decided to challenge that and talk about her feelings and how good things looked on the surface. Adam then did not love his wife as he should have, because if he did, he would have brought correction and, and not allowed her to go through with this differing viewpoint to question God. And this is where husbands and wives get in trouble all the time. And they mess up God's authority. They mess up uh, God's hierarchy of responsibility to demonstrate true godly love in the marriage. And so, no, no longer was one plus one equally one. No, the next thing we find is they were severed from God and the oneness there, and they went and hid themselves. The next thing that happened was they discovered they were naked. They didn't realize they were naked before. In other words, now they're not intimate. They're not one plus one. They are now two. And the rest is history. Can you see now why, friends, the enemy of our souls on the near edge of the second coming has made it a point to a a full court press to destroy marriage, which has ended up in a progressive acceptance of ungodly, blasphemous human behavior through homosexuality, transgenderism, bestiality, pedophilia. It's all the echoing consequences of our failure to understand God's purpose and plan for marriage. Therefore, as the Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. What our brother Tony Scott is sharing with us is God's perfect vision for your marriage, for mine, and how he and his wife surely live that out. It's a very beautiful picture and we need to understand it. And I want you to get a copy of his book, One Plus One Equals One. This, friends, is how we make a difference. You can't, you can't do everything, but you can do something. As Edmund Burke said, what you can do, you must do, and by the grace of God, you must declare that you will do, and that is to allow your marriage to match God's equation, one plus one equals one, for the glory of God. Tony, uh, you have translated something here that is so important. It's simple, but it's not simplistic, is it? No, it is not, Chuck. And, and I'd like to just broaden the scope here for a moment, if you would. One plus one equals one. 
It's not just a book about our marriage. It's actually a book about our life, and it's actually a book about the law of oneness. Mm -hmm. I believe the law of oneness is the most powerful law in the universe to bring people together. You take any coach of a team sport, and what is his desire? Yes, he desires talent. Yes, he wants gifted athletes. But what does he want more than that? He wants them to buy into his vision for what that team should be. In other words, they they have to become one in their approach. Yes, and and not only that, but let's go to business. Business and commerce. Any company in the world would be delighted if they had some kind of formula they could use to get all the employees in the same book, in the same chapter, on the same page, in the same paragraph, in the same sentence, at the same time. <laughs> okay. And, and then what happens? You have an explosion. The more people you can get to buy into on any given team of people, whether that's business, commerce, sports, church, whatever it is, the higher significance will be the achievements of that group. Well, interestingly, Satan knows that, and that's what globalism is all about. Globalism is about creating oneness artificially by force or threat of force, because Satan cannot create oneness because his spirit is not that of oneness. It's division. And uh, so what we're seeing right now playing out uh, across our world through a variety of different means is the total attack on this fundamental principle that you're talking about. One plus one equals one. And uh, it's diabolical, it's destructive, and, uh, you know, if we want to truly live out God's glory, even amid the stresses and attacks of this present moment in time, we are going to have to understand and embrace this principle and this understanding. Now, you uh, you went with Shirley for three years. You were married for 55. Did everything go hunky-dory during all that time? Oh, no. We were two type A personalities, oh. personalities, very strong in, in our belief system and mm-hmm. the way we think ought to be the way we thought things ought to be, and we have disagreements. But here's what we've learned. We learned that if we would aim our discussions at the issue and not at each other. Mm. So if I disagreed with her, I didn't find fault with her. Mm -hmm. I might find fault with her idea or her concept, but I did not translate that into an attack upon her, and Mm -hmm. neither did she do that to me. So we learned basically how to have a fight. There is a way to have a fight. Okay. Uh, you can disagree. You can agree to disagree. And that's very, very that's a very important principle of oneness. Well, not only There's that, but you have to keep the main thing the main thing. Yes, we do. Because if we you focus on all these extraneous differences and so on, then you lose sight of the main thing that actually is the purpose for which God brought you together. Well, the moment you see that an argument or a disagreement is separating and dividing you, just understand who the enemy is there. The enemy is not the problem. The enemy is Satan himself trying to divide you. Mm. You just have to remember how the first sin came about. 
It didn't come about when they were together. It came about when they were separated. I don't know how that happened. I don't know where Adam was, but he wasn't where he should have been. And there she was in the garden. There are the two trees. And here comes Satan. He waited for an opportune moment, and he still does that even to this day. Well, wait a minute. I thought that God said it wasn't good for a man to be alone. But apparently Eve was alone and therefore susceptible to Satan's attack. She didn't have his covering. She didn't have Adam's covering and his protection in that moment. And and here's my belief, Chuck, and I've discussed this with one of my um, great teachers. Uh, He's a He's a Greek scholar. He knows every Greek word in the New Testament and knows the definition of it. I used Dr. French Arrington, and I discussed this with him. I said, what, what if way back in, in Genesis, when that day came, what if Adam had walked into that garden and said, no, I'm not going to, you got that from the tree of the knowledge of good, I will not eat that. I will not. And my personal belief is because it was Adam who was empowered to be over the earth as a priest of the earth. Mm-hmm. I believe that God would have forgiven that sin, and they would not have been cast out of that garden. That's my personal belief. If Adam had not eaten of the tree. Yes. He had refused and put her in her place. Exactly. But here's what happened. Here's what happened. (laughs) And this doesn't come from the Greek. Adam knew that if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So... He said, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to fight on this. So he gave in. He gave in. He didn't want to make Eve unhappy. But in doing so, he made God unhappy. And now everybody was unhappy. So let me take it one step, Father. She said to him, it's really good. It's really, I, listen, I ate it. Look at me. I'm still standing here. I didn't die. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I didn't die. And this is really good stuff. Uh, there are a lot of people who think things in the world are good for marriage. Mm-hmm. Pornography is not good for marriage, and, and, and it's very destructive. But there are people who've made it okay. Transgenderism is not good for marriage. Homosexuality is not good for marriage. I can go right on down. Polyamory is not good for marriage. Exactly. So just remember what, what the attack is today. And, and just think about this with me for a moment, Chuck. The biggest attack in the history of the world going on right now is the attack against one plus one equals one. I agree. You just go back and look at it. All of the major issues of our day are coming off of that. Look at our country. We're divided today by two political parties that have decided that they can best gain power by divisiveness. But really and truly, if they stop, if they would just stop and think for a moment, if they'd get some some common sense into them and some God sense, they would see that the party that comes up with a policy of unity, how every politician says it, I'll bring us together, I'll bring us together. They all divide us. Yeah. But but somebody's going to show up because I have faith in this country and I believe God's word. He said, He that blesses Israel I will bless. That's a covenant. Mm-hmm. And we have blessed Israel more than any nation on the face of the earth. I do not believe that America will fade off the scene. I do believe a revival is coming to this nation. Well, I hope so. You know, it's interesting because uh, if we go back to the very early days of our country as a nation, <clears throat> uh, on the scene comes a fella, a secular philosopher from France called Alexis de Tocqueville. He was not particularly a God-fearing man that we know of. 
But he came over to study what it was that made our country great. Why it was that America took off like a rocket uh, after our revolution when France couldn't establish a, 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 a government that would stand. And he compiled his nine months of observation, a book called Democracy in America, and here's one of the things that he noted. He said, it's not as if everybody in the country is actually a Christian per se. But what I noted, almost more than anything else, was the unifying factor that virtually everybody believed in the authority of the Bible. They were brought into oneness through the fear of God. The fear of God brought them into oneness through the authority of the Bible. Well, guess what? I have asked many a pastor and parachurch leader on this program over the past five years, when was the last time you ever heard the phrase, the fear of God or a God-fearing man? Not one could remember. That's what's happened to us. We've lost or abandoned the fear of the Lord, which is the foundation for all oneness in God. And now we fear man. We're divided, as divided as people can be. And we must restore the fear of the Lord in the land, starting with God's own house, I think. What say you? Well, just remember what the Bible says about unity or oneness. It says... It gives us the owner of unity. It says the unity that belongs to the Holy Spirit, which comes with the bond of peace. Two things that we must focus on. We must focus on unity, and we must focus on peace. And the only one who can give that to us is the Holy Spirit. He owns it. He's the boss of it. There we are, friends. We've got to submit to the Holy Spirit. He's the one that will lead us into all truth. He's the comforter and so on. And he will bind your marriage together if you'll let him. One plus one equals one. I hope you get a copy of this wonderful book. $15. We'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, and become a partner, friends. We're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective, preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour, even this very day. Go to that website, make a generous contribution today, write a check, God bless, and let's be one in Christ. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 